How's it going, guys? It is Wednesday, August 11th, episode 162. Today, I have Derek Alia, co-founder of FutureSwap. They are another wonderful DEX built on top of Ethereum that allow for perpetual contracts, increased leverage in your trades, and so much more in terms of trading if you're a beginner or advanced trader. We also discussed the run crypto has been on lately. We talk about DEXs, we talk about NFTs, we talk about DeFi. So much in this episode, you're definitely going to enjoy it. So be sure to subscribe and share this episode with somebody that you think would like to learn more about blockchain, Derek Alia, and FutureSwap. Enjoy. Derek, welcome to the Blockhash Podcast live. How are you doing today, man? Good. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. Where are you based? Where are you from? Uh I'm in SF, originally from Seattle, um, but I'm enjoying NSF right now. Yeah, what's it like living in San Francisco? I've been there quite a bit, but I've never lived there, so I don't know what it's like. I think uh, one of the perks of San Francisco is it's like it's a really cool city outside of downtown downtown area. You have, you have beaches, you've got like crazy landscape thirty minutes away. You've got this awesome coast. Um, you're pretty close to like pretty much everything. You've got great universities around you. So you've got super talented people, uh, lots of ideas, very like free color. So very open, a lot of creativity, especially when it comes to crypto. Um, yeah, a lot of people in tech wanting to change the world. Yeah. What's, uh, what's the crypto mindset like in San Francisco? I know there's a lot of startup companies that have come out of there that are crypto based. Yeah, I think on the whole, I think people are still pretty like, tech companies are pretty bearish, especially those in the FANG. Um, and, and they're slowly starting to catch on, thinking that this was like a phase that they shouldn't pay attention to, that, you know, the the Googles of the world are way more interesting. And, and now what's happening is all of a sudden those people are now like focusing in crypto and because they had so much time during pandemic that they're like, oh, wow, this is, this is not going away. It's very interesting. And I think I want to be part of it. Um, and we're seeing a lot more people from you know, places like Google and Facebook just drip into into crypto and getting that talent has been has been awesome. It's been great. Yeah. Have you guys been able to source a lot of people out of there, um, you know, as developers and stuff like that that actually want to work on blockchain? Yeah. So out of a team of about nine, 10, I would say 90 percent are from Google. Oh, cool. Yeah. I, I imagine a lot of them do come from Google. They they pull everyone out of there. <laughs> from the UC schools. Yeah, I think it's just, you know, people like working on really hard problems. And at, at Google, I think you can, you just are around really um, interesting, smart people. And then at some point, you kind of want to branch and go do your own thing, or you, you don't want to be part of the machine anymore. You want to be like, mm -hmm. you know, fighting for freedom and, and openness and transparency. And, and then you learn about crypto and you're just, you know, they're just like, Oh, my God, this is this is amazing. Um, and it's it's been a really cool experience of just getting that pipeline set up um, and working with those people and just seeing how this grows with them. Yeah, that's really cool, man. Um, tell me a little bit more about yourself, too. I want to know a bit about your background, you know, how you got into the space, how you got into crypto, how you eventually got to FutureSwap. What's your story? Yeah, I would say, I mean, how I got into crypto is, what was it, probably... I think I, I read one of the first hacker news posts on Bitcoin. And I remember seeing that and seeing how controversial the comments were of this is like, this is a joke. This isn't a thing. I want to say this was like 
2011, 2012, um, once like one of the first clients came out and you could sort of like use it. And I remember trying to mine from my shitty, shitty, shitty machine that had like no GPU and had, had like really crappy processor. And like, I wasn't really able to do much, but just being able to be part of it at the early moment and sort of seeing these conversations kick off and then you know, hearing uh, about things like the Silk Road and, um, you know, people doing wilds over there, it was just kind of like, wow, like, what, what is this thing? And it was always this thing that uh, drew my attention of like, people can just like create something out of math and it works. And it's, it's so polarizing. It's interesting. Like you either hate it or you love it. It's, you find very few in between. And I felt like there was something there. If, if it's that polarizing, there's got to be some magic in it. Um, and so I just, you know, always kind of kept it in the back of my head, played around with it quite a bit, saw the launch of Ethereum and got super excited about, um, you know, as a developer at the time doing iPhone applications of like, wow, this is like um, bringing apps to the blockchain, similar to how uh, the iPhone brought the app store to mobile phones. And like, why wouldn't this be a thing? Why wouldn't this be like incredibly important? Um, so that's when I started poking around. I remember sort of Aragon launching. I got super interest that, interested in that and um, joined Aragon um, early on. And that was an interesting time of learning about DAOs and seeing how DAOs would sort of change things and help people organize. Um, that, was, that was really a crucial moment. And then we saw uh, sort of the 2018 um, sort of explosion and uh, started creating um, started getting really interested in sort of uh, finance and how to create um, a decentralized community around um, perpetuals, um, seeing seeing what BitMEX did and seeing what some of the other uh, Asian angels were doing with finance uh, and derivatives was incredibly interesting for me. And sort of taking that to the next level in a decentralized way was just, I saw that this was going to move in that direction eventually. And yeah, we, that's kind of, how future swap started. Yeah. Do, do you think that, you know, apps, you know, being built on Ethereum could one day or at some point, you know, be as important or as popular as like Apple apps on the app store? It, it seems oh. to be trending that direction. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we're, we're in like the, you know, late nineties stage of like, you know, paradigm shift uh, where we're just sort of like creating these new things that people are super excited about. We haven't seen mainstream adoption. I don't think like, maybe the, the on-ramps are there quite yet because there's so much, it's so unclear regulatory where we are. I know this, we've got this infrastructure bill going on right now and that's all around like who who's trying to control what and what rules are gonna be put in place. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm super excited to see uh, the day when crypto apps are way more important than something like Facebook on the app store or something like that. Yeah, you bring up a good topic with the infrastructure bill. It's something that really pisses me off. I, I, I'm surprised that senators would really try and, and shove in some crypto laws and sneak it in like a Trojan horse. It's it's really annoying to see. It's not the first time. If you look at what happened with poker, right? Mm -hmm. It was the same thing. Is They snuck in something that just destroyed an entire industry. And the good part about crypto is that we're, we have these like, sort of DAO decentralized uh, community organizing sort of part of our ethos, which is just like, we're very active. We're seeing what's going on. News is able to go very quickly. 
were very were very active compared to I think the poker industry at the time that was maybe a little bit naive on what would happen and thinking maybe they just could VPN in and, and kind of deal with that. But we also have a like a good amount of money, right? And so I think we can uh, express our concerns and say, hey, we want to advertise too of what's going on. Like this is our view of the world, not just what a bunch of bankers are saying is the view of the world. Like, you know, it's it's kind of ridiculous that it's so one-sided and that but the backlash was like, hey, we need to do something. And you saw people calling uh, the representatives and being politically active. That was really cool. Um, so organizing in that way is, is really cool. It's sort of like hitting a bee's nest. Yeah. If they don't change it and it goes through, do you see there you know, possibly being repercussions you know, for even exchanges like yourself and how um, tax reporting might have to be done, how you handle um, you know, clients and users that want to get on board? I mean... FutureSwap doesn't um, solicit U.S. users to the platform. Mm -hmm. That's something we've always been very careful of. So because it's so unclear what the regulation is, we've just opted to say, hey, no U.S. users. But to your question, I would say if what is passed goes through, it's so such a broad statement that, like, how do you interpret that? No, Nobody knows. So it's, like, kind of on them to say, like, okay, here's – what this means. And it's this like back and forth system that's, it would be very sad, I think. And I think it would push a lot of innovation outside the United States, um, which maybe they don't care about. Maybe they don't care about like helping sort of those who want to be in control of their own finances and um, create jobs and create this sort of new momentum, uh, this new economy. Maybe they don't want that. So um, that would be, that would be really sad if that's created elsewhere. But at the end of the day, it's a it's not a U.S. thing. It's a global thing. And so it's not something they just come along and say, hey, no more of this. It's it's really odd how they're approaching this. It, it is a little odd. Um, it's It sucks because they obviously are not educating themselves well enough to handle the situation and put out you know, real laws on this stuff. And crypto is so ingrained in the U.S. too. It's like, why would you want to drive that innovation away? It's going to make so much money for the for the country and drive so many jobs and opportunities and um, you know, force the educational system to um, to grow and to evolve a lot more to cater to that industry and to Web 3.0 and what blockchain brings to the table. And I don't know, I have a really strong opinion on it. it it's just like stupid. My, I'm hoping that the infrastructure bill doesn't go through, period. Um, you know, that they really delay it and then have time to you know, amend some of those things before it does pass. But I mean, September, it still has to hit the house, mm -hmm. right? And so we're going to see what happens there. Hopefully there's some representation there that that sort of pushes back and has clarity on like this makes no sense and pushes back I, I really hope that happens we'll see um it's u.s politics so it's always just a, a super mixed bag um but yeah i think at the end of the day like get your shit together have clarity work with experts in the field and try to create foster innovation um for for the country like why wouldn't you do that it seems like a no-brainer Exactly. And why not just put out a, a crypto bill too at this point? Like, I don't, I don't get it. It's just, it's stupid how they handle their agenda and everything, but it is what it is. It's America. Um, let's talk about future swap though. I'm, I'm curious, sure. um, you know, tell me more about it. What, what do you guys do? What's, um, what's unique about you or what's your mission? What's your goal? Yeah. So future swap started about two years ago. Uh, I had left Aragon. I teamed up with, um, my co-founder, 
Benji Richards, and we created FutureSwap together um, out of uh, IDEO. And that was really awesome because it was right before DeFi really kicked off. Uniswap started becoming a thing. Compound started becoming a thing. And as those were sort of like growing, we were like, oh my God, there's there's really something here. How do we take advantage of this? And you know, Uniswap, to their credit, they created this thing that no one knew about, which was like AMMs. And of course, it was like Vitalik heavily um, sort of guiding. But at the end of the day, Hayden executed and, and he is where he is. And that's awesome. And so now AMMs and this new way of doing on-chain swaps are like, are a thing. And it's a centerpiece. That innovation of being able to swap so easily computationally, um, making it efficient for a blockchain to actually do it versus an order book, which is like you needed so much more on something like a layer one. It had been tried uh, Ether Delta or something like that. I don't know if you use this, but it was like. I've tried it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was pretty, it was interesting. Um, so we were inspired a lot by that. And we said, hey, can we take this idea and sort of um, build out um, a perpetual based off this AMM, based off the same idea of AMM. And so we were the first to create perpetuals on chain uh, anywhere. When you, when you um, say perpetuals, what do you mean? So perpetuals are uh, a futures contract um, that has no expiry date. So okay. generally, when you when you open up a future, you know it has some set date that hey this this ends, and you know this thing is going to be delivered. Um, and so what people said is, you know, most people don't actually want the physically delivered thing. We don't want a thousand head of steer delivered to my SF office. Mm-hmm. Not good. But I do, I am interested in, in taking part of the, the market uh, with leverage. And so what happens is, um, you know, BitMEX and other exchanges came along and thought of this new thing of, hey, what if it didn't end? What if it was a continual... What if it sort of rolled over and you just were able to um, partake in this uh, this this uh, financial instrument called a perpetual that track price of some asset um, that you can have exposure on uh, with leverage? And that was sort of the innovation that uh, BitMEX did and you know, took that. It wasn't just BitMEX. It was some other exchanges as well, but they popularized it. And we took that and we put it on Ethereum um, and we really like sort of kicked off uh, this 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 idea, and then sort of a lot of other people saw this and um, you know cloned the idea, and that's awesome because we 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 basically opened up the doors for a new space on Ethereum, which is which was really exciting. So that's sort of how it started, and um, kicking off yield farming, kicking off uh, incentivized trading. Uh, you know, we were one of the first groups to have a DAO along with our uh, decentralized platform uh, finance platform, so DeFi DAO. Um, and using governance tokens. This was like not really a thing. Um, so it was pretty, at the time it was pretty futuristic. Uh, and uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And then, you know, we launched it. We had some success. It like really um, grew quite a bit. And then we spun it down to focus on the next version. We spent uh, about uh, six months spinning up the new version. We launched that in January, uh, did uh, $4.2 billion worth of volume um, with this, uh, with the V2 of FutureSwap. Mm-hmm. And then um, we spun that down to launch this new version uh, on these L2s, uh, which is FutureSwap V3, which we're super, super excited about. 
Yeah, yeah. It, it sounds like you guys are doing quite a lot early on for, you know, how young FutureSwap is, which is awesome. What's your guys' user base look like so far? How, how do, you, do you have metrics for that? Yeah, I would say, um, you know, in, in relation to most other DeFi projects, the user, base, user bases are a lot of power users mm -hmm. who are interested in having exposure on these products. I think, you know, inside of crypto, there's DeFi. Inside of DeFi, there's this segment called perpetuals. And so it's a, it's a niche within a niche, but it's a very, very popular uh, niche. And it's, it's probably one of the most valuable niches, if not the most valuable. Um, you know, we had a $350 billion day of uh, uh, perpetual volume uh, throughout the centralized exchanges in crypto, which is like insane. If you think about what spot is in a day, um, you know, spot is many, many, many times smaller than that. So perpetuals is probably the largest market in crypto, which is why it's the most, probably one of the most interesting and it's something to pay attention to. Um, the amount of fee generation in perpetuals is greater than any other space. Um, just due to the sheer amount of volume. I have $10 and mm -hmm. if I go 20X, I have 20 times. So I pay 20 times the fees to have exposure on something. And, and you don't really see that with Spot. Though, you know, you know, you look at something like Uniswap, it does charge pretty high fees. Um, the volume might not be there to justify it. And people want, uh, especially in, in the perpetual space, people are trading a lot, a lot of volume as, you know, you know to do 350 billion is in a day, that's a lot of volume. Yeah, that, that is a lot of volume. I, I was just looking at that as like 4.2 billion something in trade volume, right? Yeah, yeah. So really like the centralized, if you look at it, the centralized exchanges really have most of the volume right now. Mm -hmm. um, now, China has recently um, definitely changed a lot due to their actions with Huobi and, 1K, uh, uh, Huobi and OKX. Mm -hmm. um, recently said, hey, you're this fiat on ramp, off ramp we don't like this. We want capital controls. We're going to, we're going to, you know, reduce your leverage and basically stop being so risky. And so they've had to really cut back on their perpetual product and say, okay, uh, we're going to reduce our leverage from 125 X down to like five X, like some super small amount. And you look at the other centralized perpetual platforms, they've also had to do the same. So they sort of had to de-risk because now they're under the scrutiny. And what that does is like, at the end of the day, there's still these traders that want that volume. They want that exposure. So where are they going to go? Um, I mean, there's only so many places you can go, and it's probably going to be in the decentralized space. So um, we're super, we kind of saw this coming. We're super interested in where this is going and being able to um, sort of uh, be front and center when that movement happens, which I think is definitely coming up for this. I don't know if it's like a, bull run in the winter but i think with the launch of these layer twos certainly arbitrum and, and optimism um you're gonna see more applications more volume more excitement and i think a lot of it is, is going to be um these um perpetual projects um that are going to be leading the charge in this so it's going to be really exciting yeah i i think a lot of people are going to start shifting away from those big exchanges pretty soon to a lot of these dexes because they've gotten really good and they've solved a lot of problems and you, you don't have the same concerns that you do with like a larger exchange with like who's monitoring your money who's freezing your wallets um you know what are, your, what are your limits um you know some really stupid stuff and then obviously a lot of people don't want to be burdened by the kyc ml stuff 
whether you like it or not. Um, it's just going to drive so much, so many people and so much volume away from those big exchanges. And I feel like that's going to be a huge driver, you know, going into this another bull run going into the winter. Um, I can see it gearing up already and yeah, I can see the the sentiment picking up. I'm sure you can too. So I oh, yeah, it's huge. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think exactly what you said, which is like people don't want these certain limitations. Like people that are professional traders that know what to do with their money. They don't need all these limitations. Like it's there to sort of control people going, you know, YOLO a hundred X and then the next second losing all their money. Like don't do that. Um, um, but people who are sophisticated and, and want to participate in the market, like they should be able to without sort of being super hindered and having all these crazy rules, um, like make clarity on the rules. Let's follow those, but let's have it not be too like extreme. I think that's my view. Like, let's have it be rational. Um, I don't write the rules. I just follow the rules. Um, and we just try to make the best product within that framework. But I will say what you've seen up until now is centralized um, perpetuals dominating the scene. And the next thing that's going to happen is it's going to migrate to decentralized uh, uh, perpetual exchanges, soaking up a lot of that volume. And it's going to be super, super exciting. Yes, I totally agree. It, it is going to be really exciting. Um, you know, with FutureSwap, though, do you guys have like a good on and off ramp for fiat or do you guys mo like mostly just crypto? So, you know, part of uh, our focus is just how do we make the best uh, protocol for derivatives? Um, how do we focus on that and really make it like the best experience? We want the, the best traders in the world to come to our platform to trade because that's where they, you know, that's where they want to execute um, their strategy. Um, and so we try to partner with those who uh, are the best at their on-ramps. And if we can work with them to get users, that's great. We want to do that, but we don't really necessarily have a hand in um, going through the on-ramp process ourselves. I think we want to stay kind of far away from that because that's not necessarily our bread and butter, but I think there's a lot of products that do that really well that we can sort of integrate with and make it a seamless experience. And we're really excited for so that the evolution growth of that side, because it's been so much friction in the past of like trying to get money into crypto mm -hmm. and someone's going to figure this out and it's going to be incredibly valuable just to be able to plug into this thing and and have people use it seamlessly yeah and we'll be there day one yeah that's like the biggest key you know to all of this is how people get their fiat into crypto and for me it's always been going through coinbase and doing coinbase deposits or having to to buy on a big exchange make a deposit and then always having issues with withdrawals. So, you know, anyone that can really solve that is going to do very, very well in this space. It's just a huge issue. So, yeah. And then you look, I mean, you're in, uh, you said you were in uh, Columbia. Columbia. Okay. You said you were in Columbia. So I'm sure when you talk to Colombians, they're probably like, gee, like we don't, we want to hold USDC or we want to participate. Like, how do we do this? Mm -hmm. It's not easy for them at all. So you have this entire market that you're missing because there's not a good on-ramp in that country. You talk to people from Argentina, mm -hmm. talk to people from Chile. It's the same issue. It's like, uh, we, we have our currency, but we want to hold these assets because we're, we're really interested in them uh, because we think there's value there. Um, and that market isn't really being captured that much. So I'm, ex you know, and they can't really participate in DeFi because of it. And that's really, that's too bad because this is really for everyone.
Yeah, DeFi is going to create a massive opportunity, though, for a lot of people that are, you know, unbanked, that don't have financial tools, stuff like that. I mean, it's not just Colombia, it's all of Latin America, and it's not just Latin America, it's like the other one to two billion people in the world that don't have access to anything. Um, so that that's pretty interesting and pretty exciting when you think about how much they'll bring into the market, like out of nowhere versus, you know, what's already there in the financial system. So that's what I'm excited for the most is how DeFi is going to lift people into into finance. Yeah, because it's been so gated for so long, especially the products that we we work on. Um, you had to have so much set up and such reputation and you had to work with banks. You basically had to be on Wall Street to have access to these types of products. And now it's like all of a sudden you can be anywhere in the world and have access to this product. And that sort of that's the real democratization of finance. It's all of a sudden saying like, hey, you could be anywhere in the world and have access to the best systems that people on Wall Street have. And that's the cool, that's really awesome to me. Um, even to the point of you don't, maybe you don't even know you're, you know, adding liquidity to this protocol that's giving you yield. You're just, this is just a crypto bank account that's giving you yield. And you're just like, this is awesome. But really under the hood, it's like, it's using these very advanced strategies. Um, that's, that's valuable for you to put money into because they're helping you get alpha. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, talk about global usability. Can FutureSwap be used pretty much by anybody in the world or is it limited to certain places? Yeah, so we've, we've definitely restricted some areas of the world due to uncertainty. And so unfortunately, if you're in like North Korea or Iran or even the United mm -hmm. States, um, we've opted to say, hey, we're not going to offer this product to you. Um, and we're waiting sort of for clarification on um, what the situation is uh, in a regulatory sense. Got it. Do you guys have like an app for it yet? Or is it on the phone? Or do you have to use a browser? Or what's the how easy is it to use? So v3 will have ability to have this mobile experience, um, which we're really excited about. Uh, as of now, it's just been through the browser. Um, but I think it's pretty common to be able to have a mobile experience with these applications now. And it's something we've been working hard on. So we're excited to offer that. What about trading tools? Is it mostly for like the everyday average user or do you have like more advanced trading tools for those that like to get more down and dirty when they're, you know, investing in crypto and stuff? Yeah, we have a, uh, a great community that helps with sort of any questions or any kind of strategies that you might be interested mm -hmm. in running. Our whole thesis is like, we're this base layer protocol and we want to incentivize um, tool builders and developers to create um, what they think is important and so we certainly have incentive programs for those tools, those those things to be created. So we have definitely your base level of um, things you need to, to trade. Um, but anything beyond that, um, that's something coming down the pipeline or something we incentivize other developers to build. And if you're a developer interested in building those tools, like, please contact me. Um, oh, where'd he go? Oh, there he is. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. Um, yeah, another question. Why why build on Ethereum? Why not build on a different blockchain? I know it's getting really popular to look at um, like Solana or Cosmos or um, I don't know. There's so many of them that have a lot of perks and benefits. Why stick with Ethereum? Yeah, I mean, uh, Ethereum was one of these places where they were the ones that innovated sort of this, the ability to have developers be more part of their ecosystem than a lot of the other chains. Mm -hmm. We're not saying the other chains didn't, but I think Ethereum really nailed 
the culture of building experimental things and and sort of this this idea that um, we're going to open up this this framework and we're going to invite anyone to create anything um, is such a cool idea. Whether it's you know crypto kitties, crypto punks, uh, DeFi, you know, something like Future Swap, or you know I met back in the day FOMO 3D. Just these wild things would be created, and it was just like wow, what a what a vibrant ecosystem. And because of that, you had so much developer tooling, you had documentation, you had tutorials, you had all these developer ecosystem items that just made it the lowered the barrier of entry so much that you could take a software engineer from most places and say, hey, this is Solidity. Um, here's all these tutorials on YouTube, and here's this great community who can help you. Uh, you know, it's all it's like got Vitalik up on the screen dancing with like rainbows and like mm -hmm. unicorns and stuff. And it's just like this weird, vibrant, creative place where people aren't like shutting down your ideas. And it's like, that's pretty cool. I think that's why we took a big bet with Ethereum early on is that all of that stuff was already there. The infrastructure for building was already there. And the culture uh, was like, hey, we hold ETH. We want to make this thing more valuable. And it's, we see it going places. And really at the time, like, like, were we going to like, Tron, like there wasn't really much like we were going to sure. build on outside of that. Um, sorry, Tron users. Um, so I think things like Solana now are pretty interesting. Um, you can definitely see they're they're making huge strides in, in what they're doing and um, the demographic that they're targeting. Um, and you look at Polkadot, you look at Cosmos, and uh, I think things are actually now getting competitive to the point where you need to consider where else do we want to be. Um, and that's a very, very interesting place to be. But I think Ethereum is still has a lot of momentum with it just because of its ecosystem. Uh, and these huge blockchains have these gigantic piles of money, similar to how EOS had a pile of money, but like that doesn't always translate into developer ecosystems that you want to be part of. And so time will time will definitely tell, but I think I think there are some that definitely have legs and, and could be huge competitors the way they're approaching this stuff. And when you have someone like uh, Sam from FTX uh, behind your blockchain and sort of like pumping that, it's it's definitely effective. And so, um, yeah. Yeah, Ethereum has a very unique and uh, creative community um, for sure. They come up with a, very, a lot of very weird things, but also very innovative things. Um, and I've always been a huge fan of it. So I don't know. Do you think ETH 2.0 will actually, you know, come to fruition at some point? It's been like, what, two years kind of waiting for it to actually happen? Yeah, I think that's kind of like the thing with crypto is things are just slow, <laughs> which kind of sucks because, you know, we want all this innovation now, but a lot of problems are hard, right? And so, you know, I, I know quite a few people at Ethereum Foundation working on these problems, and they're really, really smart. Uh, awesome people that are just grinding away trying to make this thing happen. And they've been working on it for a long time. And they'll get a lot of credit, but I think a lot of these applications will get way more credit and notoriety. Mm -hmm. And so they are these like uh, sort of kind of unknown workers that are just, you know, really making this thing happen so we can all have lots of fun, right? And and have lots of value creation. Um, I do think uh, this next, like, the last update was huge. I mean, ETH, uh, Ethereum, uh, London, that was massive. EIP 1559, um, you know, something like 30,000 ETH has been burnt uh, so far. That That's crazy. That's an insane amount. Like ETH is 
practically deflationary now. Um, ultra's money now. Like mm -hmm. that that meme has already come alive. That's that's incredible. So that means like ETH, in my opinion, will become extremely valuable going forward. And I think with this next update, um, I think they've targeted for like early next year. Um, you know, I think it's going to happen. I think with proof of stake, this makes Ethereum even more valuable. This is on the path to getting sharded, um, mm -hmm. a, a sharded ecosystem. And I think this is going to make a layer twos even more valuable because now you can sort of, uh, it's cheaper to put the data up. Therefore the transactions, something like Arbitrum or Optimism are even are even cheaper because of the data availability problem. Um, so it sort of just like upgrades everything. I'm super bullish on um, the the next update, and you know, yeah, I think it will happen, and I'm super super excited for it. Yeah, I, I'm very anxious. <laughs> more than more than excited, I'm just anxious because I like I want it to happen already. Um, like I'm a huge Ethereum fanboy, but at the same time. Um, I feel like Ethereum is going to get itself left behind when there's a lot of other blockchains that are getting to market and getting these things done faster than it is. Um, so I think it's kind of like a race in the finish line at this point. You know, if Ethereum can get it done relatively soon, get to sharding, get to staking, you know, solve a lot of these problems, they'll probably be the premier blockchain and platform for dApps and DAOs and DEXs and staking you know, in the world for a very long time. Um, you know, if another blockchain beats them to the to the punch on it, you know, they might lose a lot of market share because, you know, people are trying to innovate. They're trying to produce something. Oh, yeah. They're trying to yeah. make things happen. They're not going to wait on Ethereum forever. So it feels like a little bit of a race right now. It's definitely a race. Uh, I think with Solana and, um, you know, you've got Polygon mm -hmm. um, putting a lot of pressure on like, hey, we want this now. But look, these layer twos are like the release valve of a lot of that pressure. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, they're not perfect, but all of a sudden, if I can have, you know, 10 times cheaper transactions, maybe, you know, 50 times cheaper transactions in some cases, um, that, that is a huge, huge win without having to necessarily leave the ecosystem and having all the same security guarantees, right? Uh, or mode. That's, I think that's a big release valve. And I think you're going to see a lot of movement, a lot of traction with all these projects that have learned through, through this DeFi summer, Hey, this is what our version two or version three needs to look like. Okay. We need to build this on this layer two. We're going to have all these rich features. It's going to do all these fun things. And once that like kicks on, which uh, it sounds like it's coming this month. Um, I think it's going to be pretty exciting. Like it's going to be pretty awesome what people can do. I, like I'm a, I'm a test user of um, um, Arbitrum and Arbitrum is, is, you know, it's, it's an experience that uh, it is fast. It's cheap. Uh, and so if it's like, if the test net is like the production version, like it's going to be huge. And then you've got optimism as well, which is doing a great job of, they've already got Uniswap. They've already launched uh, mainnet, you can swap V3. Uh, and now it's like, uh, top five, uh, in fee generation on blockchains. Like that's huge. Um, so these things are, these things are happening. And, uh, I think it's, it's going to be huge for Ethereum and DeFi. Yeah. Especially DeFi. I, I think August is going to be finished up as an interesting month. And I think we're going to have a very interesting fall as well. I just think the whole market in general is starting to trend in the right direction again. Um, I mean, there's a lot of advocation. There's a lot of um, fun stuff going on, fun developments. NFTs. 
NFTs, um, geez, NFTs blew up in the spring, went crazy. Um, and DeFi is making huge strides. Um, I don't know, I'm very excited more than I have ever been with crypto because this is such an interesting point in time. And so many more people like know about it. Like with each of these mm -hmm. waves, it like expands the circle to the point where you're just like, you know, you go to a cafe or something and you hear people talking about Dogecoin and you're like, oh, wow. I know. <laughs> Everyone asked me about Dogecoin. I'm like, okay, well, it's great for, you know, getting people to into the space one way or another, but it's like, why are we always talking about Dogecoin? Only because Elon well, talks and, about it. Yes. <laughs> and that's the thing. Like now you have participation of sort of these very, very iconic figures that also want to be part of it because they see where it's going. I mean, they're smart. Elon Musk is a smart mm -hmm. guy. He sees where this is going. I want to be part of this this thing. I'm going to like shill my bags. Um, and all of a sudden, when you have the smartest guy talking about crypto, everyone wants to follow. Right. And then you've got Jack Dorsey, like spewed <laughs> whatever. <laughs> and it's just like, holy, this is like second smartest guy. Like, what the fuck? They're all talking about crypto. So who do you like in the tech world? Like, who do you look up to? And if tech is everything, like these are sort of the juggernauts talking about crypto, like this is a crazy phenomenon that all of a sudden is a huge tailwind for anyone in the space working on this stuff, because all of a sudden all these people want to come in probably mostly through NFTs of like, Hey, uh, my friends did this NFT. It's fun. I don't really know much about crypto. I want to learn more, but yeah, these NFTs are cool. I bought a pet rock, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, I've seen some weird NFTs. Um, I, I saw like an NFT of, a. Um like a rock i think at some point <laughs> I yeah mean, some really weird stuff um especially when they have like a 12 pixel like image of something and 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 it sells for like a million dollars like i i can't comprehend it but okay whatever it's an interesting industry yeah and i think i think it's definitely uh driven by certainly trends but i think DeFi is one of the biggest drivers of something like nft i think a lot i think i don't think you would have nfts as popular as they are today without the rise of DeFi. because i think you have all these people all this money you know from yield farming from creating these things they had to put it somewhere right they had to like they wanted to spend something and then okay let's buy a crypto punk for you know 100 million dollars or something like that like you know just just why not right and so if you if you're gonna get another one of these like uh, runs, you're going to see NFTs really just exploding again. Um, and that the NFT is sort of just as like this glue to bring in like more people. So it's, it's a very, very interesting side effect. It is, especially when you get athletes and celebrities, you know, jumping oh, on, piling on, creating their own NFTs. It's that's driven <laughs> so much people to those platforms. User bases have gone up like crazy, especially I know OpenSea. Um, they've their user base has exploded and revenue wise. Um, Coinbase, I think they just announced end of Q2 they did like 1.5 and billion in revenue, and they had like 80 million users, which is like a third of America, and they're mostly in America. And I'm just like, God, I think more people have a Coinbase account than an actual bank account. That's <laughs> kind of crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I think like what the OpenSea story is really an interesting one that I, I hope your new users know about that I would definitely take some time to look at. They do. They, I've, like, I've had, two um, years ago. Okay, cool. Yeah, I've had Devin Finzer on in the past, a long time ago when OpenSea was a, was a baby still. But yeah, they're a little familiar. Yeah, I have them on again because it's changed a lot. I need to. <laughs> <laughs> Very different. I just, it's skyrocketed recently. So it's awesome. Great success. Yeah, absolutely.
Um, we're going to wrap up in a second, but before we do, um, what's the roadmap look like for future swap? What do you have coming up down the line that you want people to, to keep an eye on? Yeah, I would say, you know, follow us on Twitter, get in our discord. Our roadmap for, uh, our product is we're launching V3. We're super excited about it. Um, with this, um, sort of extra time, uh, we've, we've added some other features that we're super excited to announce. Um, and yeah, basically we're, we're in a position where we think, uh, we're going to be the ones capturing a lot of this market. We think decentralized perpetuals is just at the beginning stage. We don't think anything is solidified. Um, and really once we start getting into the billions of dollars every day, uh, that's when things really start to take, uh, shape and take form. So I would say it's very, very early right now. I don't think there's any winners. And so we're going to be putting a very compelling product out there that's super exciting that allows traders to do a lot of really fun stuff that they've been asking for. And uh, we're excited to uh, launch on a layer two. Um, we picked Arbitrum. Um, and so this is going to be a lot of fun. Once they launch, we're going to be right there with it. Awesome. Yeah, really excited to see how you guys grow and um, shape up going into the rest of the year um, and into 2022. It's going to be a fun ride for a lot of projects, I imagine. A lot of interest growing again. But um, yeah, Derek, thank you for taking the time to come on the podcast. Um, really appreciate you, you know, taking the time and elaborating on future swap and you know what you guys are doing. Yep. Brandon, thanks a lot for having me. It was great. Absolutely. We'll do it again in the future. Um, stay on for just a second and otherwise talk to you next time. Cool.